I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's up, Travis? Uh, we're up. We're ready to go. We're going to do some more Undesign, right? That is exactly what we're doing, my friend. And uh, you rolled a thing. I did. I rolled a thing. And today the thing is too easily making magic items, which is worded very poorly. <laughs> you say that. But I, I like my wording on this. Also, look, I'm just jotting down ideas, okay? That's it's it's a brainstorming document, mm-hmm. Travis. It doesn't I'm not I'm not submitting it for publication here. Okay, well well someday we, we might have to, like if the history books love us in, in retrospect. And they sure. might. We might get really big one day when we're dead. For posterity, yes. We'll have to we'll have to post this along with all the other important historical. Someone artifacts. will have access to our Google Drives, you know, and they'll know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But I wanted to talk about this one. I was keen to to talk about this one. The the idea of making magic items. Yeah, so, so that's definitely definitely a, an important part of a lot of uh, a lot of tabletop role playing games. Basically, anything anything that has to do with magic in any game has some magic item stuff, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If there's magic in the world, and by the way, this could also be like future stuff. You know could, what I mean? Like where you too got easily making super tech too too easily read Richardsing something. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but my, my supposition here, and I come from a background, you know, this draft throughout all of second edition when we started playing, right? So this is from like 89, 90 on through most of the time we were playing second edition throughout that decade. Yeah. I played wizards. Yes, right? you just, did. You played all wizards just nonstop. Yeah. Wizard, wizard after, after wizard, after wizard, after wizard, wizzy yep. whiz. And I loved playing wizards. I thought they were just, it was the coolest thing to me. That you could have, you know, phenomenal cosmic power, right? Like, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want this? Who wants to be a fighter? Now, ironically, my favorite character from that time period was one of the few non-wizards I played, which that might say like something. Well, was a <laughs> ranger. It was Jacques, right? Yeah, 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 uh, Jacques was pretty sure. But that all being said, I think that there is something uniquely cool and amazing about magic items. And part of it is the way that magic items kind of get treated in the game. What I, I mean think by most of it is how they're treated in the game, isn't it? Because if if you like, if if you're just playing a video game and you get a longsword plus one, that's meaningless. It has yep. it just it has no bearing on anything. You're just like, okay, I hit it plus one better. That is the only impact it makes. That's the only thing you think about. You know what I mean? There's yep. like there has zero impact on anything else. You're just like, okay, I'm plus one better. That's it. Absolutely. I think of the sort of wowification of magic items in games, right? Where it's just magic items are everywhere and there's like common, uncommon, rare, yeah, ultra rare, mythic rare, other super magic rare. Items, you know, it's never yeah. like there's never anything. They're not special. They're, magic items are not special. No. Oh, this one they're makes not, my. barely magic. It's barely magic. <laughs> right. This one makes my electric damage point two percent better against foes of the aquatic type. <laughs> what? Is this good? <laughs> What is this? Yeah. Like it's Diablo as well. Like this, you know, Diablo was classically this, right? Where there's just yes. magic items everywhere you don't care about. Um, where they're almost like it's they're nothing Endless more than magic it. items that you don't care about in those kinds of games. The the the, the random loot games are certainly yeah. insane in that way. Yes, it's a sort of like and what's happened there in those games is part of your character advancement capability and necessity, right? Your ability to actually complete quote unquote, higher level or more difficult content has been outsourced right from you into an external object. Yeah. Right. And so 
So the way that's handled, though, it, it, the, the problem is it removes what makes magic interesting, right? Which is the story yes. behind magic. Yes. Which is the, the source of the magic. Where does the magic come from? What, like, why is the magic? Why does this magic even exist? Who did it? Why, and, and for what purpose? You know, all of these important questions that bring texture to your, to your item and your world itself. You know, Where, like whatever, whatever game you're happy, you happen to be playing, whether it's a video game or a tabletop game or whatever, it's that story that gives you texture. Yeah, and I think it is okay to have some kind of distinction here because I don't mind the proliferation of some kind of minorly enchanted items within, you know, any world. Like, I don't think that destroys all of magic. Let me give you some simple examples, right? Um, you know, back, I, I remember uh, a good buddy of ours was a fan of this this book that had a bunch of just like a, a sort of uniquely enchanted items. Uh a spoon that automatically flavors anything you dip it in to eat, right? That's uh, fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like one of the best magic items ever. A cork that fits any bottle. That's pretty good. I mean, that's handy. Okay. I don't mind if these things, you kind of find these little odd, you know, pseudo non-magic items. I even don't mind, you know, we, there's the long running joke of if the DM describes that there's a, a pile of hay or straw in the room. Go search that because there's a sword plus one in there. Yeah, there's right? always one there. And I don't even mind like PCs with a bunch of daggers plus one or swords plus one or whatever. Fine, 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 whatever. But those are almost like so non-magical as to just be there, to just be like a sort of color and texture of the world. When I think of magic items, I don't think of that, right? You think I of think artifacts? Of, no, 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 no. I just think well, of things that of? are prayer beads, right? Or something like that. Like um, the... Uh, a, a sunblade, a frost brand, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, we don't need to get up into artifacts. I don't need to bring in the Eye of Vecna and the Deck of Many Things. Those are all off the charts. But I think of those magic items. Do you remember the second edition book, The Magister, that was just a book of interesting magic items from the Forgotten Realms and their entire, like, history sure. and oddities of how they worked, like, like a magic sword that will glow with a pale magenta glow that seems to pulse and vibrate slightly with yeah. the vibration growing stronger if it's near undead. Though made of steel or seemingly, it will float perfectly uh, on water, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa. It's awesome. Like it's, it's straight out of a Tolkien book or something, you know? It's really good. Yes. Yes. That's Sting, right? Yeah. You know, Beater and Biter, right? Like that's a magic item, you know? Um so well, what, I, what I was pointing at with that, okay, is that back to the topic, too easily making magic items creates this this kind of general blasé feeling about the whole situation, okay, where those plus one magic swords are just everywhere and the plus one daggers are just everywhere and they're meaningless. They don't mean anything to the character. Right. Yeah. It's just another piece of equipment, right? right. And so you you want to allow – and this is something that I think D&D &D, has really struggled with specifically. Well, in, I think around oh, right. fourth edition or something like that. I I remember running a game and it was just like a part of the process for the PCs to regularly go through go through like their character and be like, okay, where do I need this magic item? What do I need on this area? How do I need to fill in this gap in my armor, or my defenses, or whatever? You know, like yeah, like which plus one item do I need here? This right now to keep up with what level I am. You know what I mean? It oh, was yeah. magic. And so they were just making magic items all the time, nonstop. And it was just, I, I don't know. It, I, it lost the magic for me. A hundred percent. And it's a fascinating history to run through here real quick. I remember in second edition, the guidelines were basically like, there is no formal way 
to create, uh, you know, magic items outside of yeah. Like, wasn't it something like like the DM gets to decide or right. whatever? He was like, you you decide. <laughs> like you figure out like whether they have to go on a big trek to make a magic item or just you know throw something in a pot, start around. Exactly. Like I think potions and sort of alchemical things like this, like scrolls had a defined way to make them. You know, the simple one use magic items. Sure. If you're a wizard, you know how to take and write the spell you wrote down before onto a different piece of paper. Got it. Okay. If you wanted like a ring of fire elemental command. That's a bigger deal. Yes. Yes, exactly. I remember them describing making um, boots of spider climbing or something Uh and saying like, well, there's a couple different ways you could go about this. You could have them go on a quest and like kill some sort of legendary spider and then they take some of its, you know, physical parts and that's what you use to make this magic item. And that's the kind of straightforward way, right? Um, Here's another way. You could have it itself be almost a riddle and a challenge in that, okay, to make boots of the, uh, of spider climbing, one of the ingredients is the voice of a spider. And how do you get that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. The voice of a spider. And I'm like, (laughs) That's such a fascinating concept. And they were like, in this case, maybe you have to first enlarge the spider and then awaken the spider and then talk to the spider. You know, it's <laughs> like, whoa, okay, there's a lot of you stuff. Have to, you, you, have to, you have to breed a new, a new, a new breed of spider just to be able to talk to the damn thing. And then arachnophobia happens, and then John Goodman shows up and saves the day. I, we've all been Especially there. If John Goodman shows up, that's a good sign, though. So, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. But. You know, so it was very esoteric is the point during that edition, right? Yeah. This was not a straight line, to say the least. There, there, there was certainly not a lot of guidance either. I, I, I'm, I imagine it was difficult for some DMs who weren't yet ready for that kind of thing to, to create interesting scenarios around it. So, yes. And then you move to third edition and third edition was second edition running on a single mechanic, right? Like in looking back, as I did a few years ago and comparing the editions, it amazed me how almost exactly the same second and third are, even though we don't feel like it, we feel like it was a big change, but like so much stayed the same. It's just the underlying math calculations radically altered because the, right. everything moved to just like big, 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 big yes. growth, just permanent growth. That was the, the deal. Everything moved to an algorithm, right? In second, there was a lot of like weird standalone individual math or even non-math, like non-mathematically generated things. Right. Um, Just like the saving throw table was just somebody went through it and said, at this level, I think it should become 12. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that sounds Um, good. Sure. Whereas in third edition, everything had to have a formula. Right. Everything had a formula, a mathematically Mm -hmm. crackable, understandable, grokkable formula. And magic items were no different. Great. You want to make a magic item? Okay. so you want a stat bonus? Well, it's it's. It's the bonus exactly you're trying to get. Exactly this much and times exactly these ingredients, whatever. Yep, exactly. Times times this number, times this, and it was this much gold and this much time and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and okay. very little very little room to interpretation, you know? Not a lot there for – not a lot of wiggle room without home ruling a lot. Exactly. And this is where the, the down this, – this is where it all goes off the rails for me, right? Because I know in third edition I played a bunch of magic characters who would just crank out magic items in their off time. Yeah. Right? Just because why not? Yeah, you had yeah. so fun. why not do it? Why not do it? Why not suddenly get plus six to a bunch of stats? Seems pretty good to me, you know? Uh, sure, sure, absolutely. I'll put plus six to to my con on a belt. Okay, great. I had no other purpose for a belt as a wizard anyways, you know? Um, but I had a sure, sure, I had a use for plus six con. Fourth edition, it really, you're right. That's when the full, like, diablification happened, mm-hmm. where the 
the game was expecting you to have. Yeah, you had to have that stuff, otherwise you weren't going to be able to complete whatever tasks you were set out to do. So, right. And now I think we've landed it just to not that D and D is the only example of this. It's just the it's it's got the most ready-made historical arc example here. Yeah, uh, of this, but like fifth editions now landed back in a very happy place where the very simple items, basic healing potions, scrolls, right, uh, a, 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 a alchemist's fire, you know, whatever you want to sure. say, right? Those those kind of simple consumables. Those have a very straightforward way of time and money they are produced. Great. Okay. So, like, these kind of little basic things. Everything else is, like, this process. There's a whole thing in the DMG and in Xanathar's Guide about, you know, kind of what this looks like and the lengthy process, and it should involve all this stuff. And, and like, there's tons of GM wiggle room in there while still providing, like, a loose framework where they, they covered over the thing from second edition because they said, okay, GM, this is the kind of thing you'll want to have them do, right? You need to follow these steps. Mm-hmm. But here are some examples of what you could do to have the PC get in on that. Right, here, here's, here's the important framework. Now be creative. Now be creative within that framework. And I think that's such a magical combination. It's, right? it's certainly admirable design. I like it. I think it's a good choice for sure. Um, so too easily making magic items, right? Yes. What happens? Like, wh- what happens when it's too easy to make magic items? What happens in a game? All right. So here is my hyperbolic, but I think not that far. Sure. Off throw it out there. Sweet, big sweeping statements. Sure. That's what we do, right? You make the world less fantastic and less fantasy. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. The modern world, the world we live in now, is defined by easy access to goods for a large part of the human population, okay? Uh, I don't know if we can say majority. There's a lot of people who live in very poor countries. Mm -hmm. But that being said, more of humanity has access to a global marketplace now where if you want something and have the money to get it, even if it's a simple thing, right? I don't mean mean expensive, like you don't want a private island or something. You know, you just want to get a set of spoons. Sure. Or, Anyone living in a financially advanced part of civilization is going to be able to get literally anything they want off of the Internet. Correct. Within, And you'll have it at your house. In a couple know, days, usually. In yeah. a couple two, days. Two or day turnaround. Yeah. And so. Well, you can ship it from overseas no matter where you are, too, now. So it's just right. all very easy. And so the world has become this this place where your consumeristic drive is quite instantaneously fulfilled on the scope of human mm-hmm. history, right? Yeah, computers used to be magical things. They used to be these these things that were only, like little kits were put together by by deep nerds in their garages and then right. mailed mailed out to interested parties that it took six to eight weeks to arrive. And then when it got there, your computer was just a kit of a bunch of parts that you had to solder together, okay? That was a magical thing. Now, the, I mean, you can, your toaster has has a computer that's more powerful than that stuff. It's it's and it's just not interesting anymore. You wouldn't you wouldn't send away for it, you know? It's just right. it's, who cares? Right. Absolutely. The and and that's what you do when you make magic items too easy to get a hold of. You turn them into a, a so is it always a bad value thing? consumer product. Uh okay, that's an interesting question. Because you're saying could you actually theme the world around that, right? Right. A world where magic items have become this consumeristic good. I mean, that's disregarded as much as we disregard phones or anything else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, sure. That's a cool the, idea the, for a world. High magic, oversaturated, you know, Harry Potter kind of life. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, where you don't, where the fantastical is valued, like, as a theme to explore in a game or a world, I think that's actually a rather cool idea. But you better make sure that's what you're on about. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just, it's not good. Yeah, because Fast my form. argument would be, if you're trying to play in anything that looks anywhere like traditional fantasy, as as however we want to construe that, and we've had that discussion before, right? I don't just mean elves and dwarves and crap. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to play by sort of any kind of the definitions, magic items aren't consumer goods. Heck, goods aren't consumer goods, right? There's no wide-scale manufacturing. Mm -hmm. The printing press might not exist in a a fantasy world. It just depends on which world it is, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some do, some have it, some don't, right? Uh, And so the presence of these things, of being able to create these things, uh, will naturally devalue that and make the world seem more mundane. Uh, the, The barriers of entry to those magic items make them by necessity special. It also means that if you're gonna do it, you're going to do something interesting. Mm-hmm. I think for for me, it always comes back to achieving something is always more interesting than being given something. Right. And if if magic items are too easily made, there it, it becomes a boring process for all involved. And if you instead inject something interesting into that and give it a process, have something interesting happen on the way to getting to making the magic item and that, that, you know, adding some sort of, some sort of difficulty curve just makes it a better experience for everybody involved. Um, it makes your story better. It makes your world better. makes everything better if you have something to achieve, because most of the time that's, that's, that's the, the important part of being a, a, a game master is giving the players something to achieve that they want to achieve. That's interesting to achieve. And in, in the end is fun to achieve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gives them some it gives them some kind of goal to get to while they're also doing the most interesting thing about role playing, which is actually doing the role play. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think of like the goat being put out in front of the T-Rex in the first Jurassic Park. Right. Like, yeah, the, it didn't just want to eat the thing. It wanted to go hunt the thing. I'm not sure that's actually true for T-Rexes. I think they're supposed to be omnivores or something, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The point, the, the concept is still there. Right. Yeah. Uh, the 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 earning of the thing makes it so intrinsically more valuable. And what I was trying to put a finger on there was when I look back at like the magic items I made in third edition because they were so easily manufacturable, I wasn't making anything I remember at all. Not even a little. Not, not even, even one. Not, nothing. Mm-hmm. Not just because I made them so easily, but because then the default answer is just crank out the simple, most beneficial stuff because you can do it fast, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if it's going to be a quest, if it's going to be an effort, if it's going to be an achievement every time, well, then you will naturally make it more bespoke. You will want it to do and have more things and have more unique properties. I don't mean more powerful, right? I just mean- What unique, unique differences, yeah. Yes, to make it. This is my magic item that I've made, you know, and it's very interesting because I made it in a specific way. Exactly. Because it's that thing that I did that's, and oftentimes it will become one of your signature things. It's just like lightsaber colors in, in, uh, you know, the Star Wars universe. It's interesting because they, they go through a process of making it, right? 
right and and how that how that lightsaber comes out whether it's purple or has you know jets of extra lightsabery stuff coming out the sides um or if it's you know two weapons or a double-ended weapon with different colors you know it's interesting because they went through a process to get there and you know there's a story behind it even if you're only just seeing it and you don't know the story right right exactly uh, there's sort of a there's a there's always that hidden layer and when I look at stuff, the, the, the magic items that I, I remember having are those ones that had personality. And I don't mean personality like they were intelligent. They talked. Yeah, yeah. no. Not talking. That's a different subject, but also good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean personality <clears throat> like they had those little picadillos and interesting things, you know, glows blue in the moonlight or mm -hmm. uh, seems to sing or hum a gentle tune right to you when, whenever, whenever you're asleep. Uh, just weird things like that, right? Um, will suddenly appear in your hand whenever it's needed most. Uh, well, like it, it an interesting, interesting point of this, though, is how 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 much you have to kind of collaborate with your GM to get there, though. Yes. If you're if you're if you're the player, the GM has to has to give you those those cues and those different situations that'll get you a uh, you know make that that process of making the item and having it do those interesting things needs to have some, some kind of context with what's going on and why things are happening. So it, it's interesting. I think it's good. I think it's a great thing to do. Like you should collaborate with your GM, obviously. But um, I, I just want to mention that because it's, it's difficult to get there without that kind of collaboration. No, I think that's exactly right because that also is another sort of notch on the side of you want it to be less frequent, longer, more of an investment because your GM's time is a limited resource. Also right? true. There is, they already have a lot on their plate. They're trying mm -hmm. to keep this Six other broader, people happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, they're trying to run a broad plot, make sure that it fits with the story, make sure they're paying attention to six or seven or how many people you've got at your table to their individual stories and narrative arcs, right? Maybe they're trying to figure out what monsters they can throw at people without killing them. Mm -hmm. You know, character, adding character to their villains so their villains are memorable. There's so, much, so much going on. Right. So asking them to then, you know, go get behind and do this deep dive on 10 different magic items over the course of your career. It's too many. It's just too many. Right. They're not because that mm -hmm. time six people at the table, they don't have the time for to do that 60 times. Right? right. But there is time for something special. Yes. Yes. There's time absolutely. For something, you know, the, not not 10, but there's time for something. A hundred percent. There was a game recently. It was a fifth edition game I was playing in. and my character had had a uh, this sort of like little amber, uh, like an amber thing, like to Jurassic Park. Like it was one of those, you know what I mean? Like one of those yep. amber beads and it had a little insect stuck in it. That was that that was his sort of little treasured item. And this, the motivating his motivating factor to the story was that this thing was stolen from him by sort of who would end up being the bad guy and or at least the first the first axe bad guy uh, over the whole campaign. Mm -hmm. And so my character joined with the party because he wanted his item back. It was, and he didn't say why, he, you know, it's mine. Somebody stole it. I want it back. It was sort of the last thing he had that his adopted father had directly given him. And so over the course of the act, I went and got the item. And then, so this is, you know, many levels later, I finally catch the bad guy, kill the bad guy, get the, get the item back. And when I get the item back, the GM is like, from now on, this thing will also grant you this magical property as long as it's in your possession, right? Like you're, and he had like my 
like I heard sort of the voice of my dad, you know, my adopted father being like, good job or, you know, something like that, like giving me a little Vader, Ben Kenobi message or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? connection. Yeah. Yeah. And like and then he sort of like touched the, the ghost or touched the magic item and gave it this extra property. That was such a cool element. Like I valued that little thing more than more any than of the other magic yeah. items I had. They were more powerful. Forget mm-hmm. that. Who cares? Who cares? That one actually matters to your character as opposed yes. to just being just being a function of the game. Right. And I think when you when you flood it so you can just create that crap, again, that's never something like that is never going to happen because emotional investment takes time, period. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not the kind of thing you can just go It's not uh, easy as a rule. It's not easily right, right. making something happen. So Yeah. It's not the kind of thing you can go, uh, GM, we've got how many weeks of downtime? Uh, four. Cool. Can I just go ahead and crank this thing out? Yeah, great. Okay. I'm heavily emotionally invested in this thing now. No, no. <laughs> that's that's not how that works, right? So to me, my I think my best advice, if I were to sort of summarize up our what, you know, this this concept, it's that magic items are better, more interesting, more unique, and more memorable when they are more difficult to make. Uh, it's a case where what the players want will actually destroy them. Just as like, we would all love to eat chocolate every day, but if you do that, you die. You'd love to drink all the time and smoke all the time or, you know, whatever your vice is, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do that, you die, right? Like people often have self-destructive habits and the want to just crank out magic items for power is one of those things that will ultimately destroy It certainly is game. there, yeah. yeah. It would mess up your game. I agree. Um, too easily making magic items should uh, should be taken with with uh, with with a healthy dose of salt. Don't just do it. Make sure you have some kind of reason for having easily made magic items. Okay. Other than that, everything you said, I agree with. Okay. Yep. Undesigned. Absolutely. Undesigned. 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 There you Undesigned go. Out, All right. <laughs> As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on YouTube under Vince Venturella. You can email us with questions down below. Give us a rating or a review on iTunes. That probably does something, and we appreciate it. But as always, we thank you listening to, to this one, and we'll see you next time.